Hi, this is Heather Brooks, a girl on the run. Hey, hey. <laughs> girl who runs like the wind because I calculated uh, your speed the other day. Oh, and yeah, and I like <gasps> she keeps that up for eight hours. Damn. <laughs> Depends on what pace you're referencing. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. We'll discuss that. I, I reference myself. Okay. And I thought, okay, this is not someone I could keep up with. Man. So, uh, uh, how did you become aware of uh, Heather? Well, when she passed us on the Sweathouse Falls Trail, I always remember that I was going to Sweathouse Falls uh-huh. to oh, photograph. Man, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you passed us and went up. And by the time I had even finished up shooting, you were already running back down. On the way. You were on your way. You're and right. I, went, I right. went, well, she's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what's interesting is like I wasn't always a trail runner, right? And so I was going up to um, St. Mary's Peak here in the Bitter mm-hmm. Road. And I thought the exact same thing about this dude without a shirt, short shorts, and nothing but like a small handheld. He was running up and down St. Mary's. I thought, this guy's crazy. <laughs> So the fact that I get to hear it regurgitated <laughs> back to me is incredible. Yeah, it was it was a unique thing. So I'd, I'd seen you at our gym. And at the time, were you training it? Were you being a trainer at the gym at that time? No, I mean, I, I co-taught a running class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I wasn't a personal trainer per se. Yeah. And it was so funny that you just kind of blew past us. Like, oh, there goes so-and-so. Oh and gosh. there she goes again. <laughs> Oh man! You know, my and I just flew a drone because I'm a nerd. This is what I do. And we saw you running a couple times. I mean, uh, just driving around. Oh like, yeah, oh, you guys! I, I I'm always then, running in Missoula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I'm driving, it's awkward, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we have some experience with that too. I mean, we mm. can relate. Oh, he yeah. runs errands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I run to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I see you on the treadmill at the club all Sometimes the time. Sometimes he gets the runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I know how to run my mouth. Right. I mean, you just sound like my an old marathoner. How long have you been <laughs> sitting on that triplet? I told you my best thoughts come to me. <laughs> the runs. <laughs> the he runs errands. Yes. She's here all night. Here all night. This is like Shecky over here, you know? <laughs> you know yeah. Take my wife, please. Yeah, we run to the hills sometimes. And, uh, you know, so we do yeah. have something we can relate to. No, you guys I mean, hike all the time. And what, what you think is that I just run for hours on end. But this ultra scene, like, hiking is a discipline you know you guys are practically ultra marathoners seriously oh, well <laughs> depending on how far you're hiking except but for I'm just the gonna ultra put it marathon there. is like 20 miles that's like our backs so, you know we, yeah we crap out yeah crap out so <laughs> my big thing is my very first question is yeah. how does one decide to run in the mountains now, we're not talking like the New York Marathon, I'm all on pavement. Right. How does one decide to run 100 miles oh, man. in going, the mountains? We're going from couch to hundo. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goodness, this story is lengthy, but I think it stems from, like, I've, I've always participated in sports growing up. I think, you know, I have a team sports background, played, mm-hmm. played basketball for a mass majority of my life. I played in college, mm-hmm. right? And what they don't tell you is that once you finish – playing this organized sport where you're glorified or you're given a lot of praise and validation is that once it's stripped from 
your existence, like retiring from collegiate sports, that it doesn't serve your adult life. And all of a sudden you have this big crater, this void. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how do I feel like I matter? How do I feel purpose? And so I was this lost baller trying to find myself. And I had a friend invite me to a, I think it was a 10K there in Billings, Montana. And did a, I was in basketball shorts. I mean, I look like a total goob. Um, but, you know, I ran in high school and cross country. I had a little bit of a running background. But from there, I got invited to a three-day relay race in southwest Montana. Um, we hardly saw any pavement. Ran from Three Forks to Dillon and then Dillon to uh, West Yellowstone. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, an incredible jaunt. Um, is this the John Coulter? No, no. This one's called Headwaters Relay. Head, head, headwaters, headwaters Relay, Relay right? So, right. Um, and yeah, just that was my introduction to trail. And I'm like, ooh, this is really fun. Like you get to see some really incredible things and you do it from your feet and it's at a really fast pace. You can cover a lot of ground and I mean, you're exercising, but you're also exploring and adventuring. Um, so from there, went to a film festival in Missoula and saw the rut 50k little documentary i'm like mm-hmm. oh have you guys seen it yeah yeah so the rut is insane it's arguably one of the nation's hardest 50ks and i'm you know i'm kind of like full of myself i'm like oh there, that looks really really hard i can do that because i'm athletic <laughs> so sign up and use the missoula marathon which is not like the rut as a training run Right, because the rut, you're going up Lone Mountain. Yeah, it's like, yeah, up Lone Peak on streets, super technical. Missoula Marathon is like one of the, it's a Boston Qual. Um, Got my ass handed to me at the Missoula Marathon, walk like the last eight miles. I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally do the rut. (laughs) So I go to the rut and it is a disaster. I I quit at mile 18, took the chairlift down. I was like, I'm never doing this sport ever again. I'm going to drink a beer. I'm going to have a burger. I'm going to be done with it. It's like, I don't know if you guys are, I'm assuming you're both a little competitive, maybe, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little Maybe. (laughs) As am I. And so like two days after not finishing something or failing at something, I'm like, my goodness, I wonder if I can do an ultra marathon. You just couldn't sit well. Absolutely not. I'm (laughs) I'm a perfectionist and I'm like, (laughs) I I failed at something and that was really challenging. And it's like to find something that's, athletically demanding as an adult feels a little bit rare you know i played city league basketball and i mean you have all Mm -hmm. sorts of abilities there and it's like i can't be as competitive as i want to be but with trail running i can and so from then that like that failing that race and and not finishing was the catalyst to this monster um so So, and never again became again and again and again exactly yeah (laughs) it's just a repetitive thing it's like okay can I, the first question is, can I do a 50 K? Do I have what it takes to even do that kind of mileage mm-hmm. in a short amount of time? Because there is a cutoff to these races. So it's like, you can't just hike it right. or else you won't make the cutoff times. So from there, it's like, oh, I can do a 50 K. Can I do, can I go back to the rut and finish that damn thing? Cause that thing is brutal. It's like, I can. And then from there, there are races that are, you know, further than 50 K you go 50 miler, hundred K hundred miler. There are races that are 200, 250. So it gets a little crazier than me, you guys. Yeah. Like, um, but that's how it started. And um, 
So you were pushing your comfort zone yeah. or pushing your boundaries. Right, and like that's... Kind of proving to yourself that mm-hmm. you can do it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to prove to myself. Yeah. Can I do this? Yes. Yeah. Can I do the next one? Mm-hmm. Yes. So and it's not just like up. this physical feat that you need to overcome. It's like you get to learn a lot about yourself while you're trying to navigate finding edges as a person. Um, so while I'm like trying to knock out these distances I've never done before, I'm also like learning about my emotional side. Can I handle adverse conditions in the backcountry? Like when it's raining or if it's dark outside, like do I have what it takes to be brave? Mm-hmm. Can I, do I have the skill sets to, you know, like look at a map and, and learn about orienteering? Um, can I learn about nutrition and, and fuel myself? I mean, you're out, you're out there by yourself, right? So it's like, yeah, what else can you learn? So in addition to this physical stress, because mm-hmm. running for that long yeah. is stressful on the muscles, on the knees, on the, your whole body, mm-hmm. energy, yeah. training, mm-hmm. the mental, the physical. And on top of that, you have the environment, mm-hmm. the, the cold, the heat, yeah. the rain and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the the things that I really enjoy about trail running. I think you guys could speak to it too. Mm. It's like when I step foot on, say, a road race, which I haven't done many, but it's like it's a test of, you know, grit and speed. Like, do you have what it takes as an athlete? Now you put right. your you put yourself out there on a, an ultra. It's like, yeah, you have to be fit, but that's not enough. Like, do you have smarts in the backcountry? Do you know? Mm. Like if you're being stalked by a mountain lion, which happened to me in a race for like seven miles, do you have what it takes to like... It's just a big kitty. Yeah, I didn't know about it. <laughs> thank God. But it's like, do you have the skill sets to... to it's like a one big puzzle, you know? Yeah. And it's like if you're, if you're staving off hypothermia in the backcountry, do you know what to do? So let, let's talk about that, that psychology side of... Doing an ultra marathon. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So my f- my first question is, what what you said about you know this this failure at the rut mm-hmm. propelled you, but when you start a race, what makes you keep going? Because you know it's so easy. Mile six, mile ten, you just start getting the tireds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What makes you keep going? Other is it competitiveness with yourself? Mm-hmm. Is it competitiveness with others, or with the course? Yeah, I think the thing I can rule out out of all those options is competitive, being competitive with others. I think ultras don't necessarily care who you are, who shows up to the race. It could be mm-hmm. anybody's race. You can have the best in the world toe the line, and they could DNF, which stands for did not finish due mm-hmm. to. GI issues due to like yeah. lack of preparation, maybe going out too fast. So it's like, this is your tactic. Like this is your game plan being put out on the course. And do you have what it takes to execute your plan that you've prepared for, for six to eight months? It's like, you cannot focus on anybody else or race against another person because their race strategy is going to be different than yours. So what, what keeps me going? What propels me or motivates me in like, in, are you, speaking to like a hundred mile race in particular yeah yeah those long races like yeah how do you keep going that i could always bag out yeah you know well i mean that option is always there and like that option is always there in life too right so it's like but with racing in particular um 
so you have aid stations roughly every eight to 10 miles, right? So for me, like that is tangible. That is something that I can like for me to like think about zero to 100. it's like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. But I can, I can like conceptualize eight miles easy. Like I can run eight miles. So can I run eight miles back One to back time. to back to yeah. back? So you can't put it into chunks. If I, chunk I get, it up. If I get to this yeah. place. I'm yeah. Fine. So then from there, the, even the, the eight mile breakdown, you break it down even further. Um, and for me, it's a nutrition plan. So nutrition is everything. And I, I didn't learn the importance of nutrition. I feel embarrassed to say that up until like the past few years. And um, so every hour I am checking in with myself and trying to consume 300 calories every hour. Break oh, that wow. down even further. I'm every 30 minutes trying to consume 150 calories. So every 30 minutes I have a goal and that is to snack. I am a really good snacker. Um, so, so I'm constantly entertained with like baby goals in the big scheme or the big picture of like this hundred mile project. And that keeps me going. And so, you know, and on top of that, you have a big game plan in terms of how you pace yourself. So my coach, his name is Gabe, Gabe Joyce. And he told me like in my last 100, the first 50 miles need to feel very easy, like a recovery run effort. Um, And the reason being you, you are just running slow enough so that you can have enough to finish in the back half. Because if you go out too hard, you're going to fail. So it's like conserve, conserve, conserve. The race starts at 100K in, which is bonkers, right? Right. Yeah. So it's like little baby goals that you can capture while you're trying to achieve like this bigger goal. But you never think about the 100 mile distance in bulk. Interestingly enough, that's what I do. Yeah. But that's not what you do. You pretty, your self-talk is very different than. Oh, my self talk. Your self talk's pretty angry. Pretty toxic. <laughs> well, I, you know, like, no, like, I, I, Wait, I think what? there's, there's, I mean, that does fuel the, the mind sometimes. It's like sometimes I, I'll get hard on myself. I'm like, hey, like, buck up. Like, stop being a little mm, about it. Like, yeah. Keep going. Like, I think well, that's okay sometimes. Well, it, like, you're saying, like, you do chunks. I consolidate. Like, how about five more minutes and then we'll decide yeah another five minutes then we'll see where we're at yeah and you, i do that on the roads too i'm like okay i'm gonna run to that next fire hydrant i made it to the fire hydrant. okay like you just give yourself little goals to like achieve yeah the bigger one right yeah yeah i did this stupid run i was nowhere near in shape to do my only road my only race wasn't even a road race it was a mm-hmm. trail race and nowhere near in shape to do it mm-hmm. Which one? The 11 miles to paradise. I was like, did you do a couch to 100 too, Rad? <laughs> yeah. That's his thing. Yeah. yeah, it's his thing. But I did it in six weeks. Yeah. I can make it. <laughs> and uh, got brutalized. But like I said, my it's a difference in psychology. Like I have the inability to chunk things. Oh, really? Uh, it's uh, the all or nothing at this time limit or it's a useless so you don't feel satisfied until you've reached your end goal like you don't enjoy the process uh-uh. i find that hard to believe you're always outside like i don't know doing your drone and enjoying the trails and documenting oh yeah but at the end i'm way happier <laughs> Yeah, Vita's seen maybe it. it's just different circumstances, different, yeah. maybe just different response in different mm-hmm. situations. But, it, but it's kind of the same, well, it gets back to birding. It's like having a list, mm-hmm. you know, it's a... 
I mean, he is goal oriented, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. if anything, I'm probably more Type A than you. Mm-hmm. But I think <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to running, I think it's just different mindset. Different goals, yeah. There's yeah. different. They're different things. And and like you said, you came from a basketball background. Mm-hmm. I came from a football and basketball background, and. It was win or nothing. Yeah, I guess like but, but those sports, it definitely is like a pass fail system. It's like either you're a winner or you're a loser. Like there's yeah. no enjoy the process, like, <laughs> you know. But it's so funny is I always think about, uh, and this is stupid high school shit, mm-hmm. but is I remember losing our first and only home game in four. And I am nearly 50 years old, mm-hmm. and that memory still just pisses me off. Oh, man. That that happened. Yeah. So it, it's kind of this weird completion thing where you have this chunk thing, so like little goals to yeah. get to yeah. the effort. I, I actually think it's funny how people's psychology. Now, are there ultra marathoners that you know who are like this all or nothing thing and yeah, I mean, kind I, of boneheaded like me? I mean, I don't surround myself with people who are like that. I think if they are hardwired that way, they're never going to make it mm-hmm. in ultra marathon because it's like inevitably in these races, something will go wrong. And I think that's kind of the beauty of ultra marathon is like, it's not a matter of like, if something's going to happen, it's like, when you're, you're gonna, it's going to be nausea. It's going to be blisters. It's going to be, you know, prop, uh, poor nutrition. It'll be not being clothed properly for the conditions that are on the course. It'll be getting lost and people get lost in the backcountry with these races, which is very dangerous. And you can get hurt. I remember I took a header at hard rock. I haven't told anybody this, but like it was when I was running by myself on a descent and it was, I mm-hmm. put my foot on a rock that was Ooh, slick. I, I, yeah. I banana peeled sideways and took a header right into the bushes on the side of this trail. And luckily I, my head landed in a bunch of bushes, but it could have been a bunch of rocks. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, you can expect to fail in ultras, mm-hmm. like, because it's just so crazy. The things that you're doing and what you're putting your body through, like to get from point A to point B, that's incredible. So. Did okay. you know that ultra runners have very good emotion regulation? Is that true? Yes. Go on. Yes. <laughs> Go on. <baby>. <laughs> <laughs> of course we do. Okay. All right. Actually, first of all, they score uh, high on the pain threshold. Surprise, exp- surprise. Yes. Right. Score high. So they score high on uh, the pain threshold compared to recreational runners. Mm-hmm. They score high, uh, score high on resilience um, over the general public. Again, mm-hmm. uh, of course, not people aren't. I mean, research aren't. They aren't sure whether they were born with it or, or if it's, it's, a it's skill. yes. <clears throat> but you know, maybe a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other thing is uh, they also. Of course, they're more individualistic because mm-hmm. um, you're running by yourself for a very long time. You're yeah, yeah, reliant yeah. on yourself, mm-hmm. so you and uh, they regulate their their emotions better. I mean, it's not like they don't feel the emotions, but they decide. This is such an ego stroke. Where, <laughs> <laughs> how and where to feel that emotion? Kind of like, can I put it to the side for a little bit? Yeah. And then, you know, and then I'll deal with you. you well, know? and I think like 
all these things are true, but I, I'm also participating in ultra because it it requires that I flex these things and learn more about myself yes. and, and expand in ways that feel uncomfortable. It's like, I'm an extrovert. So time alone feels kind of uncomfortable yes. sometimes. So for me to be forced to run in the trails alone and take some solitude and not engage with music, mm-hmm. just connect with the ground in my environment. Like, I mean, I'm a product of modern day stuff. I'm addicted to the buzz of being productive. So can I be mindful and, and kind of settle into the nothingness of this trail run and just you know, enjoy the simplicity. So that's where you make your peace with the crazy yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's it's those those things you just highlighted. Like, yeah, I think I'm I have some of those things, but I also participate with ultras and trail running because I'm I'm asked to expand more. So Good. this is interesting. Ultra runners score mm-hmm. low on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, here it comes. I love the balance. Bring it, Vita. <laughs> Uh, they call it affiliative, affiliative extroversion, mm. which mm, translates to warmth and friendliness. Now there's a, there's a reason for it. I mean, you're in the woods for hours on end mm-hmm. by yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you come out of the woods and, you know, people don't expect, I guess it's hard to get back into people again and be warm and be friendly. So it comes from being too self-reliant or too independent. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is all, to me, it all sounds good. Mm -hmm. I have no problems. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's like, yeah, it's perfect. (laughs) I hate people anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, and also, so ultra runners, you know, they're less prone to anxiety and depression and blah, 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 blah. But the other side of the coin is because of being so self-sufficient and um, uh, maybe scoring low on extroversion, they're also more prone to suddenly have that depression. Because oh man, I have a lot to say about this. Yes, yeah. because mm-hmm. uh, relationships take a long time to build. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you've been away training being in your head for a little while uh first of all you're individualistic so yourself you don't need it right for they don't but there be times where you like now i need it yeah but then you haven't nourished Mm -hmm. some of those relationships i think it's hard to summarize the character of like the typical ultra person um, I've been asked plenty, like, why are you running ultras, you know? And mm-hmm. my response, say, like, five years ago was, it's because I love nature and I love being mm-hmm. outside. Uh, but I was definitely running from something. And it's, like, something you can control. And I think you typically see a lot of people who come from addiction in yeah. ultra marathon because yes. it's something mm-hmm. they can control. It's addictive behavior. Um, people who are depressed, um, it's a coping mechanism. Yep. There's also very healthy people that are running ultras because they enjoy the hell out of it, right? Yep. But, but um, like in my own experience, I, I am definitely extroverted. And if you ask anybody in Missoula, I'm constantly running with groups, with people. It's like rare that I ever run solo. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm just like a very practical, safe runner. Like I don't like running in the backcountry by myself. I've ran, I mean, if you run with me, you guys you will find a bear guaranteed every time, you know? So for me, I'm, I'm a safe runner. I run with people and yeah. Um, yeah. My reasons for running have definitely changed mm-hmm. in the past, you know, five, seven years. 
So do you think your reasons were always there or that's something you found out? I found yourself? out. I found out that it was a coping mechanism for suppression with my sexuality and mm-hmm. being in a, a relationship that wasn't fulfilling for me. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to like look back, reflect and kind of comb through that. I was like, oh gosh, I was hiding. You know, that sounds so- bad in the right but I don't think it's necessarily that bad. I mean, lots of people hit the bottle. I mean, they go yeah, to the bar it's, and they it's drink. Just, and it's just another method just, for, for COVID. But right. this is, I mean, it's a, a little bit health. I mean, a lot healthier than some other people's I coping mean, mechanism. You, you say that, but it's also like terrible for the body too, depending on, because the body knows stress. It doesn't care like if it's physical or emotional. Mm-hmm. There are days when I was sad, you know, and I would go out and do my long run. Do you think I'm getting fitter with the emotional stress and then putting in a, like a six hour long run? No, I'd be better off like chilling at home and being oh, you know, okay. recovering. You're still so break, it's like you're breaking and, down. And the worst bit, part yeah. of it is, is I love that we're having this conversation because I don't hear many people saying this, but like running is glorified. So if I'm using it as a coping mechanism that's not in a healthy way, I'm still getting praised for it. So I'm going to run all damn day because I'm unhappy. It's like an anorexic girl. I've seen people, girls that are super thin and they get praises. Oh, you look so good. Oh, you look fantastic. So they just starve Mm -hmm. themselves more. It is a healthier coping mechanism than like, yeah, doing drugs. You know, but still, alcohol, it but, has it, its, but it has its, you know, it could, where, it could be, yeah, it could yeah. be right. harsh on the body. So it to, could be used as a way to mm-hmm. run away from things. It, which is what I was doing. Thing. You know, I, I mean, if you look back at my Strava, I kind of like, I wasn't putting in hundred mile weeks or anything like that. But if you were to like be in my headspace at the time that I was running a lot, yeah, I wasn't a good pairing in my personal opinion. And now, now that things have shifted in my life and I'm more aligned, like running has taken on such a different kind nice. of tune um and i'm enjoying it and i'm a little bit more you know connected with the process versus outcome did did you find yourself in the past using running to avoid that relationship i you know i don't think i was aware that i was doing that um you know me and my my former partner my ex we were apart a lot of the time due due to his job and um when we were together on the weekends, like I'd do my long runs and I wouldn't think anything of it, but it was definitely, it took a toll on our mm-hmm. partnership. And I tried to shift it cause I'm like, I, I chose a partnership. Therefore, like I, I owe it to the relationship to put in work and be mindful of our time together. Um, but I wasn't happy there. I was happy when I was on the trails. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So the why of ultra running, uh, breaks down to three, like they, the surveys show. I love that you've done so much research. I'm like, tell me everything. I need to know. So research shows that uh, they fall into three categories. So they run, um, um, maybe they don't get a cell uh, satisfaction. What? Say it again. Self satisfaction. They don't get satisfaction from their personal or professional accomplishments. But when they do run, they feel empowered, you know, confident. Mm-hmm. So that's what they do. Um, and then there's another group of runners who do have personal accomplishments and professional, but it's not enough for them. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not, they can't settle for average. They have to just mm-hmm. overachievers. Mm-hmm. That's what we call yeah. it. No, yeah. And then the third group are thrill seekers, and yeah. which in my mind, I'm like, what a thrill! <laughs> but there aren't a lot of them, so it's mostly between two 
two groups mm-hmm. someone who is uh kind of uh what's it saying uh, overcompensating i guess for one aspect yeah and by that yeah. yeah yeah and i think you know i'm 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 I definitely fall into some of those categories, or I used to at least, and the narrative has definitely changed, thank God, with, yeah. with my relationship to running. Um, but it was like, it was my one and only, you know? Mm-hmm. I remember towing the line at some of these races that were, you know, on paper, not that dangerous, but anything could happen. I remember running on a cornice, uh, you know, on, on the CDT in between by Salmon, Idaho, and remember thinking, like, if I end up dying at one of these races, that's okay. Like that's uh-huh. how committed I was to the running because it, that was my single source for joy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, now I have a little bit more balance in my life and, you know, I still think there are many ways to kind of capture the same growth that I'm experiencing with running. I mean, you, ev- I think everybody should have a carrot to chase, you know, mine just happens to be a black carrot, uh, mm-hmm. and kind of messed up, but it's like my reason for for running now is that I get to find my edges as a human being. it's like to be stagnant in my opinion is to be, I mean, dead. Right. So it's like, I get to figure out and learn a lot about myself through these, these runs and these races and training. So when I actually looked through a bunch of ultra marathoning things, when I had this vague notion that I could run longer than 15 miles, (laughs) <laughs> that notion has since left. Oh boy. Uh, Smart guy. <laughs> but um, you see, I, I, I just call it misery porn. So you look like the Berkeley <laughs> marathons. Porn. Yeah, which it's just happened, not, by the way. It's just nothing but misery yeah. porn. Mm-hmm. You know, every video you see of it, everything you see of it, is just. And how much does that play into folks doing ultras that. I can be a part of the misery porn. I can I can do something that's so miserable, and I can talk about how miserable it was. I think yeah, I think being a part of like marginalized groups is always kind of fun, and like um, yeah, if it's dangerous, it might be kind of sexy. Uh, yeah, right. And, uh, but the Barkley, I'm gonna put it on record here with this podcast and say that I will never participate in that crazy race. Oh my gosh. But I well, think it does this look like misery, right? It's yeah, misery for the sake But I mean, of... some people think the same about a five K. So it's all relative and like your yeah. perspective and um but it's like you're pushing the boundaries with your comfort zone, which I think yeah. that's that's probably it for me. I can't say that everybody like, oh like misery porn. I'm all about it. <laughs> it's got my name. But you on did it. do the hard rock one hundred. I did do the hard rock one hundred, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, that was a crazy event and that was like definitely like way outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, I, I, I always say that every time I hear the hard rock on one hundred, it's thirty three thousand vertical feet. Yes. <laughs> That's sea level to Mount Everest. And then a good chunk on the way back on the backside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of crazy. It is. It's so daunting on paper. And then if you look at the the profile map, oh my gosh, you're like, how the hell do you go from seven to fourteen thousand feet in one climb? Yeah. How? Yeah. And how do you train for fourteen thousand feet? You, get you a, live in you, Missoula. You get a coach who <laughs> can tell you what to do because it it just seems so big. Like the concept yeah. of finishing something like that. My coach had raced it in 2017 and he took fourth so the guy knows what he's doing right and we have good a good relationship um and 
he just like broke it down for me and said, look, the altitude portion of your training is the least of your worries, which to me, I was shocked by that. I'm like, really? Because I live at 3,200 feet and 14,000 feet. It feels like a significant jump. Um, but he's like, no, we need to perfect everything else. You need to become a really good hiker. We need to make sure that you're matching the same pitch or the same grade. Thank God for Sentinel. I, I ran the snot out of Sentinel training for hard rock. Um, and just getting like the things that I measure when I'm training, I would say like mileage is probably the least important in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. So the thing, the three things that I measured was time on feet, uh, total ascent climbed in a week and then mileage. But I think, I think time on feet is probably the most important thing. It's like, do, is your body fit enough to withstand 38, 40 hours of constant movement? Um, so yeah, so I had a coach and, you know, unfortunately and fortunately, um, Hard Rock got pushed a couple of years for me because the first year I was supposed to race it, canceled due to avalanche conditions on the course. Second year was COVID and finally raced it last year. So I think there was, that was a blessing in disguise. So sure. you drew that on a lottery, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did your lottery carry over? Every... It did. It did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I ran my first 100 in 2018 in Wyoming at the Bighorn 100. And it's not typical for a first-year applicant to get drawn. Um, so when the lottery happened, I'm like, ah, there's no chance in hell I'm going to get selected. Oh, my ass got selected. And I got super nervous. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I don't have the experience. And I just got pulled for one of the hardest hundreds in the world. Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, uh, crazy experience and um, very fortunate to have a couple more years that's what I was to train. Ask. That's what I was going to ask. Was that intervening two years, did that help you? I'm like, oh, it makes I'm like, more oh, sense oh thank God. <laughs> yeah, because I was able to race another 100 and then, you know, put in a lot more mileage, which I think my body needed. I don't, I don't know if I would have been able to finish Hard Rock in 2019, to be completely honest. It's hard. It's hard to think that way. But, but your spirit animal. Oh my God. It's a, my spirit animal is a baby <laughs> sloth. Hi, you, you like that answer? Well, <laughs> Cause I, it said, is. I said sloth to someone else. That's ask me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baby sloth. I'm going to stick with it. It's, uh, it's everything that I am not. Yeah. Slow. Yeah. And just like calm, just chilling. That's like, it's my aspiration. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think I'm just more of a sloth. I mean, one of the reasons I run on the treadmill oh is because gosh, I get I... this feedback about how fast I'm going. Because uh-huh. if it was up to me, <laughs> there are a couple of sloths in Missoula. Like just, I've like, met jogging. my match. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, internally I'm a sloth. Oh big my time. gosh. Yes. I, I think the universe just cracked. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Um, let's see. Um, so, uh, interestingly enough, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. most people were talking about getting fat and I'm eating too much or too too little, mm-hmm. but exercise overall increased by 88%. Oh, wow. And um, runners contributed to a lot of that. Right. Their particip- participation went up 117%. Um, 2018, 108%. Thousand people signed up to run mm-hmm. 100k. Well, that makes sense. It's like yes. running; you don't need a I'm lot. I'm starting to, get... to believe you logged in all those hours. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <The> average. <laughs> I'm like, I think Heather. Who, who is this outlier? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, you I factor out Heather, <laughs> things 
numbers might have been a little yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, do you know what her spirit animal is? Fox. It's, it's the same as mine. We are a no. couple of sloths. No, she's yes. a fox. I'm not a That's fox. That's very cute. Don't go fox. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like, I think Rad's hitting on you. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Because every time you see a fox, you're like, oh. That's because they're pretty. Again. I wish guys, I was more. Do you guys of a need fox. me to leave? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I wish I was you. more of a fox, like a little bit more. Um, not no. sly, but you know, cunning. cunning. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think I, I play all my hands like right saw, off the bat. You saw just... sloths a couple weeks ago. You went yeah, I know. to. Yeah, did you see the thing? Did the... you see how fast that thing was moving? Not <laughs> just. Aren't they beautiful? Oh my gosh, they're so wonderful. Yeah, they were so fast. No, they look so creepy. Yeah, they're very creepy. Did they're not. Just... They're not beautiful. I mean, no. that's why we choose baby sloths. So the they're... face is yeah. cute, but the rest of it with the long nails. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why you like. I'm Mamo. sticking with it though. You're sticking with it. Oh, your... absolutely. Yeah, their demeanor and the way they move through the world very slowly it's like yeah um, but they cover distance which is the weirdest part about sloths oh my gosh let's you can see them in the trees 30 minutes and they're and they're going so slow and you're like yeah yeah. and then you look up and like where did he go the sloth yeah no yeah that happened to us at um, manuel antonio the sloth i looked down for a second i looked up and he was Hunter Miler, done. <laughs> <laughs> I give it to you it read the sloth. Oh, sorry, it was a two-toed two sloth. <laughs> that was Hoffman's two-toed sloth. Uh-huh. That's funny. Now, I can give you a weird fact about sloths. Yes. The sloths we have now have absolutely nothing to do with what a sloth was 400,000 years ago. Hmm. These slow-moving, arboreal hangers yeah. mm-hmm. are the last remnants of this whole family of creatures that okay. were mostly grassland-dwelling and fast. Huge and fast. <laughs> These guys just adopted this weird... Behavior that worked out for them. And it worked out. They got selected. <laughs> We're alive. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, uh, all these big sloths were like fast moving. They were more energetic because they were eating more energetic food. Yes. Mm. The sloths we see are so slow because they're eating on leaves. Yeah. Not much Nutritionally energy. poor. So they're always playing this game of energy expenditure. What happened to the faster sloth? People. People? They got they got hunted. <laughs> People hunted in the to... late late Pleistocene extinction and all yeah. the multivariant things happened. But yeah, these all these fast moving sloths all died out. So my that's face, my little sloth. My face hurts from smiling. I I love sloths. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's so funny it's like we have this mental picture as modern humans mm. of sloths as these slow moving things and the actuality is they're the aberrant forms of what it is to be a sloth mm-hmm. fascinating 
So they just got selected. Giant sloths were kicking ass and taking names. So if you're weird, you have a very good chance of surviving. (laughs) Just skirting the issue. Stay weird. Skirting the issue. That's good, right? Yeah, just just ah, you guys. uh, People like to hunt you. I'm little and slow and cute and mindful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll keep that guy. Yeah, for sure. Who's gonna eat that guy who's staring at me? I always find it weird. This the sloth stare. Mm-hmm. You saw it. Yeah. They're like, and they look at you. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> They're like a drunk, no, stoned person. They're like a stoned person. Exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. Hey, <laughs> oh, I like you. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. So, sloths aren't your spirit animal. Ah, I don't know. Then I guess I have no. But you can I, hang out with me and be a sloth. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. It's funny. The two people that I've been around lately who are the most active think they're sloths. I mean, it's just like, it's what I hope to be. Like, they, <laughs> it is what I'm not, but it's like a goal. If I could be like a baby sloth. Yeah. Move slow and yeah, hang out. Yeah, then I found balance. Have stinky fur. I can't believe we're discussing. This is incredible. <laughs> I could tell you about symbiotic algae and sloth fur. That's actually cool. Oh, boy. Another, another, <laughs> no, no, po- another podcast. That's exactly. Oh, I, I've been, <laughs> okay, I've we been wake here. up 7 in the morning. This is, this is you know, the conversation oh, yeah. that's going on right mm-hmm. now. It's him, 7 o'clock. While I'm like, where's that while you're again? While you're practicing your intro <laughs> no, in the I'm shower. Like, where is the freaking coffee? <laughs> and he's like going on and on about mm-hmm, some. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well. What? Yeah, so I was just going to say that should be a different podcast. Where you can... The fact is I found out that tree lungwort is a symbiosis of four different species. Oh, I can't. I have no idea what you're saying. So lichen, it's a species of oh lichen. God. So you know those big, uh, we'll get totally away from running for a second. Okay. So those big uh, leaf-like lichens you see in the trees over in the locks on. Mm-hmm. They're called a tree lungwort. So a lichen is typically thought of as a symbiosis between a lichen and an algae. That is not true for all lichens. Mm. So it's not really a symbiosis. It's more of a a benevolent dictatorship. Mm. The fungus captures the algae, uses it for photosynthesis, and then... uh, the uh, the fungus gives it a protective place. In tree lungwort, there is a fungi, an algae, a cyano cyanobacteria, and a uh, ericoioid, which is a super ancient group of life. That's not a bacteria. It's not an algae. It's like its own. So you have this archaea this fungi, the cyanobacteria, and an algae all living together. Mm -hmm. All the three of them, the fungus, the cyanobacteria, and the archaea, are all living off of the algae. (laughs) And they form these. To me, that's cool. (laughs) You're the botanist. the botanist. (laughs) To me, that's really cool. But back to... Running. Back to, okay. <laughs> Back to running. Sharp. 
<laughs> Sharp change, yeah. mm-hmm. No, and this might go back to symbiosis. Oh, okay. Let's let's see how you tie it in. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> This is where you I need can tie to get this creative. In. I just polished no off pressure. my beer. <laughs> Go through that. Yeah, here's, how, here's how we. So, symbiosis is how does running an ultra marathon, marathoning, feed you? Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah. Because everyone talks about the sacrifice, but how does it feed you? Uh, I think we, it's pretty simple, honestly. Like, um, provides some goal setting for my personal life, you know, and it's. I think, I think there's a lot of us roaming through the world uh, that, you know, our careers might not be our passion projects. I think that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And if you have it, you're very fortunate. But that you know, a lot of us, that's not the case. So running for me is definitely like a passion project. It's also um, a way for me to explore things that I like, um, and being in the mountains in the backcountry. Um, and it also provides like a social setting for me. There's a lot of crazies in Missoula and, you know, the Pacific Northwest um, who like to run. So I get to meet a lot of really cool, fascinating, educated people through yeah. this modality. And um, yeah, it's just, it creates a lot of adventure and unknowns for my life. I think it's a, I think it's great. And I think the culture of the people in ultra marathon, I mean, running ultras is not a lucrative endeavor, right? Like there's right. not a lot of money, which keeps it kind of organic and, um, humble. I really enjoy the people, people in this want to do it. Yeah. Not like yeah. I can do it, and I'm looking for a payday, but I'm not passionate right. about it. Right. So, if someone was interested in a career mm-hmm. as an ultra runner, would you recommend it? I mean, it? it's. I think with anything that requires using your body to pay your bills, yeah. like any kind of athletic endeavor, is risky business. Um, cause at any given time, especially with the risks involved with ultra marathon that can be done. Um, so to, to make it, you know, I, I don't rely on ultra marathon as yes. <laughs> like, like my means to an end and yeah, to yeah, pay yeah. my bills. Like I have a, a, you know, a nine to five job and, um, yeah. And I think it would require like a lot of sponsorships and I think it's just, I think it'd be tough and a lot of stress on at least me personally to, to require my body to be, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, I just think it's risky. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I do have one question. Mm-hmm. What was your biggest fuck up and what'd you learn from it? In running? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Getting started. I don't know. <laughs> no, I take that back. My biggest fuck up. Mm, I think, I think probably when I was trying to navigate how to finish the rut, um, well, it's like not understanding nutrition and trying to put in too much in the body. Like I definitely like puked my guts out at the rut. Also, I think in the beginning when I was not dealing with my thoughts and like I had the stress of ultra marathon training under my belt, I listened to music a lot while I was training, um, which fortunately I'm alive but it's like in races I would get lost oh on account of listening to music because I was just like I was in my own world I was in a music video I was just having a blast but I'd miss course markings and be completely off the grid and I didn't have a lot of orienteering skills or navigation skills and in practice um but I would say like getting lost in races on account of listening to music was one of my biggest do you no longer listen to music? I no longer listen to music, and I, I've been able to like listen to Heather and and like sit in that headspace and be uncomfortable. But yeah, that was a process to kind of wean off the music. 
Oh. I don't think I'd be able to do it. You should try it. It's a fascinating experience. Yeah, I bet. But uh, I don't know. I think it takes a little bit of time and work. Especially if you're trying to maintain a certain speed. You get lost in a couple races. You'll learn in a heartbeat. (laughs) You're in a a hurry. You're better off without the distraction. So literally, you're just, "Eh, I'm running this trail and sign pointing left and I just blow past it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Missed it entirely. And then I had like, I did the Blue Mountain 30K here in Missoula, blew through a really significant turn, went up and over and started going down this drainage. And one of the volunteers was like, hey, are you in the race? And I take out an earbud and I'm like, yes. yeah, I'm in the race. I'm like, why? He's like, your turn is way up there. Oh and I look at him, I'm like, shit. <laughs> From then on, yeah, got rid of the music. I'm All like, right. I hate that. Yeah. So what you're saying is uh, pay attention to your surrounding. Yeah, being in touch with your surrounding, have your head on a swivel yeah, yeah, and just yeah. be connected with your okay. your environment. Don't get don't fall in too much in love with the process. But, <laughs> no, no, be in love with the process. But it's like it, I feel like when we listen to music, especially in the trails, like you are kind of disconnected from the experience almost. Mm. You don't yeah. get to listen to the the creek that's running next to you, the the leaves, you know, blowing in the wind. You mm-hmm. don't get to listen to your feet. Oh yeah. yeah, like you don't get to listen to your feet, and then also you can't hear if something's stalking your ass, like ah. you know, bear or whatever. Yeah. So it's like that was another, you know, fear factor of mine um, was running into wildlife and you know being totally consumed with music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your best uh, bear story? Oh, my gosh. I've got so many. <laughs> um, so I now carry bear spray with me 365 days of the year, and people make fun of me all the time. <laughs> right? Once bitten, twice shy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, up on Jumbo and ran a 10-mile loop with one of my friends, and we were Lincoln Hills area and, like, I swear, like, maybe less than a mile from the trailhead. And I were on a two track round a corner and I hear this sound and I look up in the tree. I thought it was a squirrel. It was, you know, and I uh, realized that it was a cub. I'm like, oh, that's good. And then my friend on my left says, Heather, there's a bear. And in my blind spot on my right hand shoulder is a standing sow blowing snot, super pissed off. I have no bear spray. Yeah. You know, she was the reason why I started getting bear spray all the time. Um, So I turned towards her. And she's standing up. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get messed up. Like, we are within eight feet of each other. Like, we are so close. And uh, so I just turned towards her. My friend, super smart, was hiding behind my backside, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I, like, turned towards this this sow. And I'm, like, just talking to her. Like, she's like my dog. So I'm like, this is a moment. I'm going to get fucked up. Yes, yes. I'm going to get messed up here. That's very smart, actually. Oh, yeah. So I start walking backwards and just talking nice and calm to her. And, like, this is a moment. Like, this, this yeah, this is crazy. And luckily she, well, she dropped down to all fours Mm -hmm. and then she started taking a few steps towards me. I'm like, okay, this is that moment you hear about. Mm -hmm. And luckily she turned towards her cub, which was on her side of the two track. And yeah. And I told my friend, I was like, let's get the hell out of here. (laughs) And so luckily, like, you know, and I've had a couple of encounters where, you know, I scare bears, but I'm luckily packing spray. But Mm -hmm. I mean, just because there's hibernation doesn't mean there can't be like a mountain lion a bear out of you know doing its thing out of season or or humans you know crazy humans in the backcountry or in the mountains i mean oh yeah you know so 
That was my craziest bear encounter. Honestly, I think she did really good. Craziest human experience? Hanging out with you guys? <laughs> you look crazy enough. I've had a, I've had a ton of crazy human experience. I mean, I don't think I've had too many. I mean, where I go, people don't. So, um, yeah, safe to say that I haven't had to use my bear spray on a, on a on human. Humans? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, right. but it's always nice to have. Yeah, yeah. Just a little, you know. Mm-hmm. Just it's there just mm-hmm. in case because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than needing it and not having it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, anything? Uh... Well, you know, uh, kind of my next question is, what do you think about the misery porn? Like when you look at YouTube <laughs> videos, going back to the misery porn. Do you just like I saying am. it? <laughs> I am. I am. You know what he tells me the other day? He's uh. like, "Grown ass man is <laughs> crying because he is." toenail ripped off i'm like yeah but that's because he's he's also low on food he's hangry he's just crying like a baby I'm like, Dude, just a toenail mm, mm. get over it no but uh, how do you see the per big word peripheration uh-huh. of youtube videos of like the barkley marathon or these other ultra marathons where it really is misery porn mm-hmm and the people who get into it for maybe that painful experience rather than well, maybe know, the joy Catholics. of running or <laughs> maybe they're Catholics, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had an epiphany. I had an epiphany. <laughs> but but I I wonder that what you're like, saying is some people gravitate towards that. Yeah. They like they don't, it's not part of the journey, it is it. And, and should that be the lead? Because I watched all these videos and that was the lead, was the misery rather than the triumph or the ability to have this sort of endurance. Or to overcome the misery? Yeah. Rad, okay. I, think, I think you're a sucker. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think humans like to see drama. We love the emotional roller coaster. So what you're seeing is definitely like, Right. Uh, I mean, it's being showcased in a way that is entertaining for a viewer. Um, I, I don't, I, for speaking for myself, I don't think I go into a race being like, I'm going to suffer so much and that is awesome. Yeah. No, no. I think my mindset around it is like, I am being invited to challenges and can I overcome them? Like, I'm not looking to feel pain. I'm not right. going out there to be like, how much suffering can I endure? And is that like, is that my my method for validation absolutely not but when we're when we're storytelling and and maybe creating these documentaries it's like of course we need to lure you in and like how else are we going to lure you in without the wow mm-hmm. factor without the pain without the suffering right. without the the exposure of ridge lines and the dangers like that's what keeps you on edge and like provides you the viewer with yeah like this emotional roller coaster um, right and i definitely come from the generation of wide world of sports Oh, and they yeah. would do the Iron Man, mm-hmm. and they'd always have the guy on the bike blowing snot and <laughs> barely making it. And... Yeah. yeah, look at him now, yeah. and there he is again. <laughs> ah. And we, I mean, we, we're we're all fans of like seeing people push past like what we know to be true and humanly possible. The crawl to the finish. Yeah, line. I mean, I watch a lot of documentaries on rock climbing. I mean, that is not something that I 
I have the skill set to do and it's like a wow factor for me I'm yeah I'm right there eating popcorn with you for is, sure is that something you're interested in by any chance? I respect gravity I mean I, I would love to try <laughs> it at some point I mean I don't I don't fear heights you know I like oh. I run ridge lines and stuff but um yeah I just have never had the time to kind of uh indulge I guess you I already guys, know what you're thinking. Are you guys going to invite me on a rock climbing trip? Oh, hell no. no okay. No. <laughs> are we going to Yosemite? I'm kind of saying. We do know someone uh-huh. who is an excellent rock climber. So, cool. uh, yeah. you. I mean, I um, would definitely try it you know? for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's good to and try new things. And you're both in the same tier in your field. So, oh, yeah. it's very interesting to see someone cross train um, I, I think it's important yeah. or, you know maybe mm-hmm. see pam try to run i, I doubt it's going to happen. <laughs> I, I doubt it's gonna happen <laughs> i'll try uh but yeah yes um going from being so good at something for a very long time and then all of a sudden you're experiencing something where you really suck well, at. The, <laughs> yeah. well the gains in like something that you're really good at are so small anymore mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you just but when you try something new i mean i did that this last season hard rock was over i'm like i'm gonna try some new sports oh yeah things i'm really bad at which was uh skate skiing and mountain biking yeah. You know, talk about mountain, oh my gosh, mountain biking. My first trip down was in the rattlesnake, a really easy descent. I'm like, oh, like the person that's teaching me just took off. I'm like, I guess that's what I do. Yeah. And I ate shit and just laugh oh, like, gosh. oh, respect the learning curve, yes. Brooks. Like, <laughs> this, this is good. It's called a break for a reason. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so good. And then you went over the wheel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I ate, I ate shit for sure. Oh. <laughs> I had a good video of me just ejecting over there. <laughs> now, how's your skating now? We started skating. Skate too. skating? Oh, yeah. it needs work. I need a lesson. Yes. I, ne- I, need, I need a lesson. It's, it's a, it seems to be a, a, a longer learning curve mm-hmm. than I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fun, it's humbling, but mm-hmm. now I'm like, can I go somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> like, for I, sure. just, yeah. I just, just want to get from point A to point B. It shouldn't take an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so, what? I, I'll uh, I'll borrow a line from Lipton. But what sport would you like to do? That's not your own. I mean, I would love to learn how to backcountry ski. I mean, I think growing up in Montana. I, I, you know, there was a moment in time where my dad's like, you need to pick what you're going to do. And I chose basketball. And from then, you know, from there on out, I, I couldn't participate in skiing. And now I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm an adult in Montana without any skill yeah. to And I'm like, yeah, I should know how to do that. Yes. But all I know how to do is dribble this damn orange ball. Like I say, so yeah, I would say like <laughs> being a, you know, downhill skier would be a choice for me. And like, that would be my, my pick. I like to ski too. Do you have more questions? I have two questions in my head, mm-hmm. but if you're, if you're, okay, all right. So uh, first one uh, is, uh, is there a myth you think sur- that surrounds ultra running, which you would like to debunk? Mm. I mean, we talked a lot and might have been already uh, in, in our conversation, but you know, this, we could actually put a little spotlight um not all ultra marathoners are drug addicts uh (laughs) you know i did a there was this guy that was doing an advertisement for the company i work for and uh he found out it was just like this 
like really far out concept for him to think that someone would run as far as I do. And I think he's watched a lot of YouTube videos and documentaries. He's like, so you run ultra marathons? I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you a drug addict? I'm like, excuse you. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I'm not a drug addict. So not, I'm just a dabbler. No. Um, <laughs> Hmm. I think that's the only thing that comes to mind off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. So, and then one last one. Uh, I don't want to wear you out. No, no, you're good. Yeah. Um, as much as I like to think that you agree to this interview because we're just so awesome. Right. <laughs> of course. But I also think you agree to this video because you want to actively promote something. Mm. Is there one that yeah. you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I think I would love to just promote creators locally. Uh, you two are Missoula people. You are involved in our community. You provide a lot of great things. And um, I, I, I wanted to support. I think I, I have a passion. Like I've had a handful of people ask to do podcasts, right? And it's like, uh, if I don't connect with you, I don't know that we can have a conversation. Unless like there's something that like stirs my emotions a bit yeah. and you guys like we see each other almost I see you yeah. almost every day you yeah. know it's like you are involved in the community and I don't know too many podcasts locally that are doing what you're doing so for one I want to push local content so and nice. creativity <laughs> I think that's incredible and I think you guys are doing an incredible job um the other thing I want to say uh is that um uh, and I've said this in a couple of podcasts like mental wellness is something I think that we've all kind of, uh, embraced during the pandemic. And that, um, if I can be a voice of like squashing the stigma regarding therapy and getting help, uh, that people should do it. And like, we all owe it to ourselves to have that person in our corner. And it's like, we just think about relationships. It's like, if you are constantly coming to your partner, for example, with the same issue month after month, after month, after month, it's like, that space is dedicated to this issue that's never never being resolved. Now, if you go and have a therapist or a counselor yes. to, to help you untangle mm -hmm. that mess that your partner may not have the skill set or tools to do, yeah. you are fixing your issue and you're also coming to your partnership with this newfound freedom and a new space to create something new and maybe positive. So it's like you can bring that into a romantic setting. You can bring that into your work relationships and your friendships. So it's like yeah. therapy is amazing and if you can do it for the love of god please do it that's uh i think that's fantastic thank you <laughs> yeah the stigma of uh skin therapy yeah um and i also think that elite athletes might be more um prone to it mm -hmm. mostly because everybody praises them right mm -hmm. so it's kind of yeah, something we discussed so exactly i i wasn't gonna say you know their ego is so big they don't want to admit they, they need help but sometimes you feel like maybe you're letting people down you know by admitting to something i think it's uh, by admitting that you're human mm -hmm. you know yeah um but yeah. uh, that's just people's expectations yeah. of you. And that's, and I mean, when, I, when I've had the chance to speak or, you know, showcase my story, it's like I want to promote human experience and that I do have faults and failures. Um, but that's part of living and that's kind of the joy of the yes. rise and fall of what we're doing. Yeah. People like to have to have someone to worship. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's, just, it's kind of a human need to have someone to worship, whether it's a religious person, really spiritual sure. person, mm -hmm. mostly because you kind of want to aspire to that. There's mm -hmm. this awesome person there, and I want to be just like you. So, you know, when they all of a sudden uh, 
come to a realization mm-hmm. that this awesome person is also human mm-hmm. it's kind of like well now what am i what am i going to look up to mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh yes that's that was thank you for asking that question 